Welcome back to another episode of the Atlanta Startup Podcast. Today, I sit down with the co-founder of Saltbox, Paul DeRigo. Paul graduated from Georgia Tech in 2003 and have seemingly been an entrepreneur ever since. He's previously started multiple companies in the e-commerce and reselling space. But for the last three years, he's been actively building Saltbox, which is an Atlanta-based startup helping small and medium-sized businesses and e-commerce companies grow their logistics footprint. During our chat, Paul gives us unique insight into the current state of e-commerce markets, why he believes e-commerce can present the next billion and trillion dollar startup opportunities, and what he's most excited about regarding the growth of Saltbox. Before we dive into today's episode, be sure to mark your calendars to see some of Atlanta's newest startups at Georgia Tech's CreateX Demo Day, which is taking place at the Fox Theater this Thursday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. Rahul Saxena and team will welcome their latest cohort, which features more than 100 teams launching into the Atlanta startup ecosystem. Also, I'll be in Tulsa this week for the ACT Tulsa Demo NBC Day, which is sponsored by Artento Capital. So if you're in town, please give me a shout and I'd love to meet up for a coffee. Also, be on the lookout for Valor's Art of Inclusion Commission call for entries, which kicks off on September 1st. You can find out more about that on our website at valor.vc. Now let's dive into today's episode. Paul, thank you for joining me today. Well, thank you for having me on, William. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course, man. You know, you in the Saltbox team are doing some fascinating things in the world of you know e-commerce and logistics. So certainly want to dive into that a bit later in our conversation, but I love starting with the background and the story of the guest. So what's the Paul DeRigo story? And uh, talk to us more about you know your background and journey to entrepreneurship. Yeah, I came down here to Atlanta, go to Georgia Tech as an industrial engineer. And then uh, first job out of college uh, as an industrial engineer, went to work for UPS. And those were, this was maybe 2003, 2004, some very early days of e-commerce. This is when um, there was sites like Smart Bargains, uh, Webvan was still kind of a thing. Then um, those were my first glimpses at uh, kind of what we would call e-commerce today. From I worked for UPS for a while and then I started my own e-commerce company with some friends from college. Uh, it was a reseller. We sold uh, pro audio and uh, electronic recording equipment, DJ equipment. That was an industry at the time that was uh, very based in brick and mortar. There was some uh, print catalogs that were widely distributed. And so there was, but there was a big boom in purchasing that equipment on the internet as people were recording more and more creating music on their uh, computers. And so uh, that was a very explosive growth uh, as a reseller. But uh, as the years went on, as a reseller, we uh, it uh, became much, much more competitive. Even, even the likes of Amazon started selling equipment like that. Looking at what we had built, we said, okay, we're very good at selling things on the internet, but we're a reseller right now, which is very challenging. You're competing against very large entities. And so then we developed a company that was an e-commerce as a services company. So that was a company that would basically, you have a product, you produce it, and you wish to sell it on the internet, but you don't want to deal with 
posting it to the online, managing marketplaces, dealing with customer service. So we rolled all those learnings into an e-commerce as a services company. Was that a pivot or did you start a new company entirely? We started a new company. There was a new name and a new entity that was Ally Commerce and we raised funding for that. But it was based on the learnings and the workforce, the colleagues, everybody there was uh, from the previous retailer. And and so I, I worked on that. And then, and so then after uh, that, that's Ally Commerce. And so uh, I was there through a series B, then moved on and was doing some different consulting on my own, working uh, with a small consulting firm. And I uh, got introduced to my co-founder, Tyler. He had moved here from Silicon Valley to the Atlanta area and had uh, he had actually acquired, um, among other things he was working on, acquired a, a brick and mortar retailer, or primarily brick and mortar retailer uh, that was in the beauty space and uh, was interested in bringing that, developing its e-commerce strategy. And uh, I was introduced to him and helped him with that for a couple of years. And so uh, Tyler got to work and I got to work together on that. And during that time, uh, that company and other stories talked about the challenges of finding uh, the right space, good space that was safe, secure, logistically functional. At the time, it was even kind of laughable or comical at how tough it was. And we both agreed. And then uh, one day, Tyler uh, came to me and also came to Maxwell, our other co-founder. Him and Tyler went to college together. And Tyler said, you know, I have this idea of how we could create a space that can serve this type of need. And it's not out there. And uh, I'd like to, I'd like to attack that problem. That's awesome, man. That's incredibly fascinating how you, you know, started out at Georgia Tech, industrial engineer, got involved in the e-commerce space, just started building. It sounds like you've always been a a builder by nature, right? And so now, you know, talk to us a bit more about, you know, what Saltbox is practically doing and the type of customer that you all are are solving these these logistical and e-commerce problems for? So at a very mechanical level, Saltbox is providing logistics enablement. So this is shipping, freight, loading docks, material handling equipment, skilled labor in fulfillment and, uh, and fulfillment services. We're providing those things, but at a smaller increments than is the predominant way that it is sold these days. Generally, if you just talk about space, it's 50,000 square foot warehouse, 100,000 square foot warehouse, million square foot warehouse. Right. There is really no options at 500 square feet. And uh, same with if you uh, skilled labor can use, there's agencies out there, they can get you 10 people full time. It's But if you need just someone for 20 hours a week, that's difficult. And so we're serving those companies that have physical goods and have logistical needs, but not yet at the scale that is primarily served by the logistics services industry. Right. And then now for it to work, I mean, we physically aggregate those companies in our facilities Mm -hmm. so that their volumes, so that their logistics needs are combined and aggregated so that it's uh, becomes very large and, you know, economically viable. This is interesting. So you all are kind of enabling, you know, logistics fulfillments for, I'm assuming smaller to medium sized businesses. Are these mom and pop type shops? How do you kind of characterize who are the core users of Saltbox today? Yeah. So 70% is e-commerce companies. And I would think you'd 
define them as more long tail e-commerce companies. So that's where the, uh, you know, their products are, you know, there might be like clothing for swimwear for pregnant women or something like, you know, it's kind of a long tail type products, but I would say that they are predominantly, uh, predominantly their own brand. They're not resellers. So they're right. building their own brand with a product and working very hard to build a strong brand. And uh, often our members are, yes, the, there's many instances of husband and wife or family businesses and such, uh, but always a skill in they know fashion, they know health and beauty, they know different industries and very talented in that. But then they don't have as much of a core skill set in logistics. And so then that's where we look to provide that to them. And that's how we, we look at them. We look at what they need, what we can help them with. And then that's how we go through a constant thinking of how we can help them and the products that, and services that we can put out. Right, right. You know, thinking about this market, you know, e-commerce has really thrived throughout the pandemic as consumer shopping habits have changed with the bias towards online shopping. I think e-commerce sales were up to like $870 billion last year. Why are you all so bullish on e-commerce? And do you all believe that the next billion, trillion dollar market cap opportunities do exist in the world of e-commerce today? Well, yes. So definitely there will be many unicorns that do some sort of service or product in the uh, in the e-commerce area. When I talk about this subject, I do like to sometimes take a bit of a step back. And when I say e-commerce, I, I sometimes think that that term is getting a little blurry now. It's that I opened up an app, bought this from a big box retailer, but then I got in my car and drove over there and they brought it out curbside. It's like, you still went to a brick and mortar. You That that sale still physically traveled through a brick and mortar, but I think a lot would say that was e-commerce, and that was a that was an electronic commerce enabled transaction. And so that's where I see that all of commerce, all of our buying of anything, is becoming more electronic, more and more e-commerce. And so that's where just a shift in how everything is going. And I don't know where it's going away from. You could say maybe it's going away from cash transactions or other more paper-based transactions. But yes, so that's that's where I see it going. And even in a broader sense of just beyond just the click, buy something on the website and package shows up at your door. Yeah. And, you know, as you all think about you know, the, the the current state of the economy today relative to you know, how supply chains have been impacted so negatively. You know, how does that impact you know, Saltbox and your customers as well? Yeah. So I do have, uh, I do watch very closely and wonder, you know, what kind of macro effects will happen of if just spending on everything just goes down, then, you know, if we just all buy less of everything, then there will be uh, effects felt. Um, uh, now, I think where becomes very important is about those that have really strong brands, where they make a product and it has a strong brand and it connects to people. And and so where people are like, okay, I have to buy a set of bed sheet because I have a bed and I'm not going to stop sleeping in the bed. I only want this specific brand. I don't care if it costs right 10% more if it costs 20% more and so that's what i see with a lot of our members is they're building very strong brands their products are very direct in that way and those are the things that 
will retain customers right. uh, versus if you're just trying to sell the cheapest set of bed sheets and then somebody just comes in and their set of bed sheets is a dollar cheaper or something like that. That in uh, any consumers who are, you know, in their mind that they may get even more strict on how they are, but if they're not looking at brand, uh, that, that would be very challenging. Uh, for- yeah. You bring up an interesting point when you do talk about branding for some of the customers that you all serve, you know, you know, high level from what you've seen, what are some of the characteristics of, you know, a strong brand that you all are enabling? What are, is it oversimplified in that you just have great products, great customer service, or are there other things that are kind of more so behind the scenes that are enabling this customer to thrive no matter what the macro uh, economic situation may look like? Yeah. Well, I would say there is the, course the product has to work right it must have some sort of function but uh you look at the most consumer products there's many alternatives for something uh, and you'll see a select few do 100 times better than the rest and you see that clearly in a in in a larger data set like that how it's the brand and it's how it connects with the customers and that's where uh kind of going back to how we i see in uh, many of our most successful entrepreneurs that they have a lot of experience in the vertical that they are working in. They they know the health and beauty space. They know they know the home goods space. They might know it at the level where they were formerly a designer or something like that. But they deeply deeply understand that market, and then that shows in the success of their their product, how it attaches to customers, how the customers align with it and then how they're able to grow. All right. Awesome. And, you know, want to transition the conversation here a bit. Saltbox isn't your first co-founding experience, right? You've, you've built businesses in the reselling mm-hmm. commerce and e-com as a service space. And, you know, talk to us about you know, how you've drawn on prior experiences as you've built Saltbox. Are there any transferable lessons or perspectives that you took from, you know, other building experiences to now as you all have built Saltbox today? Yeah, I would say personally, I I feel more mature versus when other earlier times founding. And I think a lot of that was uh, understanding how successful people are very self-aware um, of their strengths and some admissions of weaknesses and stuff like that. Uh, I think many early founders, myself included, just believe going to be good at everything and going to be able to muscle through everything. And uh, I would say uh, an understanding that um, <clears throat> you have to be aware of weaknesses and things. And then I think then that's important with Tyler Maxwell and I being very upfront and deliberate about what each one of us are very good at, what each one of us need some development with and uh, having those very mature conversations, allocating the responsibilities, just then a a much higher chance of success. Um, So I would say that was a big, big evolution of myself in this new one. Um, And then, you know, going back and this is kind of relates to what I keep touching on understanding for ourselves, how, it's important that we put out a product that works great, delivers value to people, but uh, we got to, uh, but I also have learned how 
we as, as well, Saltbox have to have a very good brand. We have to have a brand that resonates with our customers, the, the customers that we're seeking and, and we have to have a connection with them. And I would say in earlier startups, I was as an engineer, very technical, just, okay, as long as it works and it works great, then people will buy it. Well, it, I've come to learn that it takes a little more than that. And so, yeah, it does. It certainly does. And that, that's fascinating. You know, you touch on, you know, so many aspects of the leadership perspective of Saltbox, but you and I were talking previously before the call about, you know, how the team has grown as well. As you kind of think about, you know, being a co-founder, how do you think about company building and, and team building, you know, at from a general perspective and then at Saltbox as well? You all have raised, you know, several rounds of capital now, been able to make several key hires um, and, and key expansion initiatives. How do you all think about company building, team building at this stage of the business now? Yeah, at, at all stages, one of the most important things that uh, we we really are always working at, I uh, can't say you're always perfect, is to be as transparent as possible. And that's with everybody inside. And that's saying, this broke. This didn't work. Really struggling with this. And, and, and that's, per- that's at a company-wide or that's at a personal level. And, uh, and that's important as us as founders. And I think about myself to definitely, uh, show that. And as a founder, you know, going many times, um, I've had several responsibilities as the company has evolved, but I have to be comfortable that I am handling this responsibility for the company right now until this responsibility grows. And then we have to go and find a, a new member of the team who frankly is much better at this than me. I have to, that's, and you know, this is, this is their core uh, subject matter expert. And so there's, there's just a constant uh, admission of uh, where help is needed, the determination to find the right person who is very, very good at what is needed. And then again, then it goes to that person that as it grows, that they then are aware and they speak up at what they're good at, maybe what they need some help with. And then what, what, uh, what, what else we need to add to the organization? Yeah. Transparency is huge. I think having this, you know, constant line of communication as well, kind of is in parallel with that aspect of communication, um, and transparency. So, you know, as we kind of wrap up the conversation here, Paul, thinking about the background of yourself, Tyler, Maxwell, you all, are seeming, you know, seemingly Atlanta-centric guys, right? Mm-hmm. Is there ever, you know, a thought as you all were talking to, to build Softbox outside of Atlanta at some point? Or, or was Atlanta always where you all felt like Softbox could have the, the most network effects, the most, you know, the most opportunity to grow as a startup? Yeah, we've never thought to leave Atlanta, personally. Now, the Sawbox is growing all over the country, and we have talented team members all over the country. Now, I would say, strategically, Atlanta is is a logistics knowledge or logistics uh, services, companies, everything, just a real epicenter. There's a lot of, lot of talent and power and everything in that industry here. And, uh, you know, you have the Delta Airlines or the UPSs and you have other transportation companies and such here. And Saltbox, you know, has a, doesn't, uh, own any trucks or anything like that, but, uh, we are closely knit with that, uh, logistics industry. I would also say that, uh, in the last 
10 plus years, I've definitely seen Atlanta and its startup community uh, be much more on the map over 10 years ago in Silicon Valley or don't recall many conversations or anything about uh, any Atlanta companies. Uh, but now if you go anywhere, there's multiple unicorns and people say Calendly or Sales Loft or any of these other incredible companies here in Atlanta now that definitely shows a lot of health for the startup community here. Yeah, the city has a lot of grit, resilience. I think mm -hmm. you said a, a burgeoning startup hub here. And, you know, as we kind of finalize the conversation here, as you and the team think about, you know, the remainder of this year, I saw recently that you all opened a new uh, 80,000 square foot fulfillment hub in Columbus, mm -hmm. right? Which is, I think, your sixth location nationwide now. Yes. As you all think about, you know, 2022 and, and beyond, you know, what are you all most excited about for the remainder of this year and, you know, uh, the next couple of years? Yeah. So the remainder of this year, we have uh, a, a lot going on. So as you mentioned, we opened the next location in Columbus. Uh, now that is a fulfillment logistics services dedicated location. There's not the workspace, but we will be opening seven more workspace locations the rest of this year, uh, expanding to five new cities. And in two cities, um, we will be uh, expanding our footprint there. And so we should, uh, I believe, end the year with over a million square feet under our control. Wow. And so that's great. And then I'm so looking forward to all the new members that we're going to, the hundreds and hundreds of companies that are going to join. As we have a thousand companies and beyond that are in Saltbox, mm -hmm. that many members, then the you think about the aggregated GMV or the, the economic power of that. And then that will continue to be give, provide us step changes in, in the level and the type of services and products that we can provide for them. When you have that many motivated, talented entrepreneurs and small businesses collected. And so that much growth and that many companies and that much aggregation uh, by the end of the year is, is really, really going to be amazing to see then what we're going to be capable of. Yeah. A million square feet is a, a huge North star for the team. That's exciting. And as a, you know, an e-commerce company may be listening to this episode today, you know, what is the best way for them to, to reach out to the Saltbox team if they're interested in utilizing some of the services and logistic, logistics enablement that you all provide? What's the best way to get in touch with somebody at Saltbox? Yeah, you can go to saltbox.com and you can see all the cities that we're open right now. Uh, any, any of those cities, you can go and book a tour. Um, one, of our, uh, one of our colleagues is happy to show you around. You can see assault box yourself we also have if you're not in one of those cities you can uh submit and and mention what city you would you would like us to come to we're also very always curious about that and then we also offer fulfillment services to people all over the country for smbs that don't get the the level of service and and and, and what they need from other other 3pls and such that just aren't designed for the the stage that they're at and so Awesome. Well, Paul, this has been a lot of fun. I think we could probably spend, you know, hours talking about yeah. Yeah. everything that everything that Saltbox powers, you know, how e-commerce is growing, more definitions of what e-commerce really entails. And I think the key drivers of how 
you know, your customers are growing as well. But I, I look forward to seeing you all continue to grow here in the city of Atlanta and across the country. So really appreciative of your time today, Paul. Yeah, thank, thank you so much, William. We're thrilled to have you as an Atlanta startup podcast listener. To help you get the most out of the experience, let me invite you to three insider opportunities from our host, Valor Ventures. First, want to be a guest on this amazing show? Reach out to our booking team at atlantastartuppodcast.com. Click on Booking. It's a no-brainer from there. Are you raising a seed round? Valor definitely wants to hear from you. Share your startup story at valor.vc forward slash pitch. Are you a woman or minority-led startup? Valor's sister program, the Startup Runway Foundation, gives away grants to promising startups led by underrepresented founders. The mission of the Startup Runway Foundation is connecting underrepresented founders to their first investors. Startup Runway finalists have raised over $40 million. See if you qualify for one of these amazing grants at startuprunway.com. O-R-G. You can also sign up for our next showcase for free there. Let me let you go today with a shout out to Startup Runway presenting sponsor Cox Enterprises and to our founding partners, American Family Institute, Truist, Georgia Power, Avanta Ventures, and Innovators Legal. These great organizations make Startup Runway possible. Thanks for listening today and see you back next week.